0: Open mine eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Open my eyes.
1: Today for Song of the Soul, we welcome back one of my perennial favorites, Peter Alsop. He's just released two new albums, one for kids and the other called Disciples of Perfection, his first recording in 25 years for adults. He's got an exquisite sense of humor, great musical ability, and a great heart to inspire people forward to a healthier, more whole world. Peter Alsop joins us today from his home stamping grounds of California. Peter, it's great to have you back for Song of the Soul.
2: Hi, Mark. It's nice to be back.
1: How are things out there in California these days?
2: People are hustling and bustling like the rest of the country, I guess, getting ready for the holidays and trying to figure out what's going on in the world with the government seemingly in turmoil and people being concerned about finances and the environment and arguing about tactics. I think we're like the rest of the country.
1: Hmm? Some people think of hustling and bustling positively and some negatively, you know, like you're getting things done. How do you react to the idea in general?
3: I always
2: hustle and bustle. Uh, It's hard for me to sit still because there's so many things that I I love doing and find myself engaged with. So I see it as a positive activity. Is it possible to have too much of a positive thing? Of course.
1: As a Quaker, you know, I tend to think of breathing and centering down and such as being important. And, you know, one of the songs on one of your new albums, Disciples of Perfection, is breath. Breath is, of course, what connects us, but it also brings us home. So, hustle and bustle, breath, compatible, incompatible?
2: For me? Well, my song, Breath, is about, you know, and we were going to start with Disciples of Perfection, but we could actually start with breath, if you you want to do that, and then we can talk about that afterwards. want to do that?
1: Sure, let's do it. Let's listen to something off of Disciples of Perfection, and this is one of Peter's newest albums. The song is Breath.
3: What makes one breath more precious than another When every breath we take is new All life is sacred On this earth How you use your breath is up to you Is your first breath more precious than your last? Or the laughter of your friends, or your lover's gasp? Or your mother's sigh, or your baby's cry? Another breath is another chance to try. Oh, What makes one breath more precious than another When every breath we take is new, all life is sacred on this earth, how you use your breath is up to you. When the eagle holds his breath, diving through the wind, when the whale breaches, breathes, and sounds the deep again, when the butcher's cow or pig breathes, ready for the blow, is a human breath more precious? What makes us think we know? one breath, more precious than another, when every breath we take is new, all life is sacred. On this earth, how you use your breath is up to you. time is all we really get if we're still breathing then we're not dead yet though we worry about our future and our past may have regrets we're birds of a feather we all breathe this air together oh what makes one breath more precious than another every breath we take is new all life is sacred Earth. How you use your breath is up to you. All life is sacred on this earth. How you use your breath is up to you.
1: And that was Peter Alsop and his song Breath off of his new album, Disciples of Perfection breath. So let's go into some more insights about breath here. You cover a lot of different breaths going on on this planet. You know, the animals and ourselves and other people and, and pigs uh, getting ready to be butchered. What brought about this song for you, Peter?
2: Well, you know, I'm constantly been looking for ways for us to, you know, we're all unique and special and it's really important to have diversity in the world. So often that gets, that's what gets focused on. And I'm trying to look at some common denominators things that we all do you know the idea of preciousness you know when you love someone you think that of them as precious but there's also almost a hierarchy of who's more important whose breath is more precious here you know which one is the one that should survive and if we had to pick someone who couldn't breathe anymore because we only had limited air who would that be that's the basis for a lot of the discrimination and a lot of the i mean that Not in a discriminating way, but in a in a uh, a way that is hierarchical and says we want to have this instead of you. We're going to supply more resources for ourselves than you. You know, you talk about ageism and sexism, racism and able-bodiedism and heterosexism. All of these different kind of things. I saw a button one time. Mark said, "Let's make those isms wasms," which I liked a lot. And then I realized, you know, there's this thing that we do as humans on the planet, where we when we address how life on the planet, we're generally talking about just human life. There really is an interdependent kind of a net that, if the animals and the plants aren't considered as being life on the planet and are having a stewardship about them and being concerned about them as well, it's great if you're open-hearted and open-minded enough to say, "I really think that we need to take care of humanity in all of its aspects and you know make sure that there's people not doing horrible things to other people." But we also, but let's just take care of humanity, make sure that works without looking at the horrible things that are done. To other life forms on the planet so it just as as with most of my songs I wanted to get it out on the table to just consider that how do we know that our breaths are more precious than the pig or the cow that might be being butchered to be eaten how do we know and I'm not passing judgment or telling anyone what they should think I just think that it's a worthy thought to get on the table particularly since this is a program called songs of the soul it's, that's for me is where the soul resides in considering what we're doing here and why we're doing what we're doing
1: When the butcher's cow or pig breathes, ready for the blow, we're killing so we can eat them. Did you have an ulterior motive in including that line? How do you think about killing animals for food?
2: Well, myself, I don't like like killing animals. So I'm uh, a vegetarian. I have been for a really long time. I eat, you know, eggs and milk and stuff like that, but I don't think we have to kill anybody to do that. And I don't pass judgment on other people that eat meat. Um, I'm concerned about the way that animals are treated in our food processing stuff. There's a wonderful book by Barbara Kingsolver called Animal, Vegetable, Miracle. And also there's another one called The uh, Omnivore's Dilemma, which just got great information for those of us who think about these things. So I think it's a worthwhile question to put on the table. Do we really need to eat as much meat as we do? And how are the animals treated? And is this another case of us just turning a blind eye and not worrying about what kind of pain and suffering and treatment in the names of making living creatures commodities are we supporting by just buying things and not even thinking about what happened to where it came from?
1: There are so many complicated factors that go into making good decisions. You know, you talk about eating animals, and you can talk about the suffering that animals go through, or you can talk about the environmental impact. I became a vegetarian, and the first week I did, I got Diet for a Small Planet by Francis Moore LaPay just recently her daughter Anna put out a book called diet for a hot planet because of course eating meat means you have this intensive agriculture carbon-based and and ends up producing heating of the planet so so many ideas that get meshed together and you have to try and make a decision and buy food for the next day's meal so (laughs) it gets pretty complicated
2: you know it might be neat to play for the folks is my song, Disciples of Perfection, because I've thought about this stuff a lot. And I think there's so much of the damage not only to individual lives, it kind of bruises the emotional batterings that we've had from you know, sexual abuse or abandonment or any other kinds of issues that we have when people have difficult times. So often comes from somebody that has a concept about the way the world should be and it's generally men. Male brains seem to work that way. We tend to be systems thinkers and go, hmm, this is the way it ought to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I mean, there's data out about that now that our brains work differently than women's. But the problem comes when we try to force real life into that model that we've come up with in our head. And that's where the difficulty occurs. And it explains for me how so many things get so out of balance. I'd love it if you'd play that, and then we could maybe talk about that a
1: little bit. Disciples of Perfection, Peter Alsop.
3: A light in us shines through our cracks. It's one of life's most simple facts. Part of our perfection is our flaws. It's true. It's the cracks in your perfection that let your light shine through. When uncertainty appears Certain people feel fears Feelings huge and very imprecise So use your head, not heart, they say If you want to make things nice These disciples of perfection Prefer life clean and neat Where everything we say and do Is ever proper through and through Though we know real life Is always rearranging Disciples of perfection Don't like changing It's mostly male brains who say There is no other way must obey traditions, laws, and rules Without them life is chaos We must fight for ideals It's clear, it's not important how one feels And so the wars that we have fought Religious rules that we've been taught came from these fearful thoughts thought by disciples of Perth all the rain is perfect with its flaws and pain stumbling paws and feet and flapping wings perfect with the off-key notes it sings when someone lies a thousand perfect tears in perfect eyes in every scraped knee of a child grandma's ancient toothless smile when we get hurt if we strike back is that a flaw or just a perfect crack is life broken when a beggar begs, or part of life like cracks and eggs which is where life's perfect light shines through that light connects us me and you Lightness shines through our cracks, one of life's most simple facts, part of our perfection is our flaws, it's true, it's the cracks in your perfection that let your light shine.
1: That was our guest for today's Song of the Soul. Peter Alsop is his name, and if you haven't encountered him before, you've got riches ahead of you. He's got a lot of albums out there. You can go to peteralsop.com and find it. You can also find him via my website, northernspiritradio.org. That was Disciples of Perfection from the album by the same name, I guess maybe it's your central thesis for the album.
2: A lot of my prior work has been, you know, I do a lot of work with kids and families. I'm a psychologist, and there's songs like My Body's Nobody's Body But Mine, which has been a, sort of a classic. I know it's actually had parents tell me that it saved their kids' lives. I mean, what more could a songwriter ask for? You know, it's about setting boundaries, and that's about child sexual abuse and prevention of that. And it's kind of like you kind of get it. It's in one piece And what what I've been struggling with over the last 10 or 15 years is the growing population, the lack of empowerment of women in the world and what that means and where that comes from, the other kinds of disparities of privilege, of wealth and heterosexism, all sorts of stuff that goes on it seems to tie together, you know. I mean, the way that whether we're going to have government controls on economics becomes a thing about freedom in America, and, and it ties in with the way that Monsanto is doing stuff with uh, genetically modified foods and making profit, and then again, what we were talking about with breath, about how we treat the animals and what all this stuff is connected. I was having a hard time, Mark, trying to write <laughs> write a song that would fix everything. So... After lots and lots of thinking and talking with lots of people and reading and stuff like that, when I started to come up with going, you know, it seems to me that this really has to do with the way, because when you look on the news, it's mostly men doing the stuff that are you're going, this doesn't feel okay to me. What's going on with you, buddy? What are you thinking? Not that uh, Men do wonderful things as well, but it's the way our brains work that I see some of this stuff, and I'm not trying to let people off the hook. I'm trying to just be more clear about what's going on so that we can intervene in ways that, to short circuit some of the kinds of damage that happens from basically what is, I think, fear. When people are afraid, it's really important. We do it this way. If we don't do it this way, who knows what will happen? Chaos will come, and so. What I did with Disciples of Perfection was to take a lot of songs that talk about how do you take action, how do you do that. There's a song called Pick One, which I don't think we're gonna to do today, but it's about picking one cause and trying that. You know, there's you know, the bank and about social security and there's a song called the guitar, you know, Low Flying Crows is about, you know, taking a look at what goes on with our genetically modified foods. And I wanted to put it all in a frame where I'm not pointing, saying, you know, you're, there's something essentially wrong with you about other people, because that never falls on very rich ground either. People don't want to hear that. But if I can say, look, this is the way I think the world works, and, you know, we could pay better attention to some of the stuff, and maybe by seeing that and seeing, yeah, I am going awry here, maybe I ought to move in this direction more, that that's how change can happen. But I think it, it needs for people to have the awareness themselves, and they aren't going to even listen, if you're feeling attacked. So that was when I came up with this, I went, you know, I think this makes some sense. And being a man myself, I certainly find myself trying to do things perfectly and realizing that
1: that can be the path through which
2: I create havoc in my own life.
1: You have some very beautiful images in here perfection of grandma's ancient toothless smile, for instance, that's one of them, that they're perfect just as they are. You know, I think the dentists are going to be upset that you think a toothless smile is okay because we want to get people worried about taking care of their teeth, and I imagine you're still going to run into people's defenses where they're going to say, if we don't try to be better, that means that maybe we're not going to have a seatbelt attached and the kid's going to die, or, or you know what I'm saying, the fears, some of them seem reasonable to people. I love your images, and I'm with you on this song. So I'm not being oppositional that way, but I'm imagining there's a number of people who say the drive towards perfection is one of the best things about the human race.
2: Right. And the difference is that when somebody has power or control over others and forces them to try to be what their version of perfect is, that becomes where the damage occurs. There's nothing wrong with saying, that would be really neat, and if we all agree on it, we want to work on it, and then I want you to tell me, is there anything I can do to pull my socks up? How about you? it okay if I, what about that? And you go, well, I can't do that because of this. And I go, oh, okay, well, then what, let's try this. But that's a different story than people forcing someone to be perfect. You know, I do shows sometimes, and I'll stand up in front of the audience, and I go, "Now, um, are there any Christians here today? And I go, no, no, you don't have to hold your hand up. We'll find out who you are in a minute. You know, But I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever seen another Christian coming toward you, and you wanted to go the other way? And people start laughing because everybody has had that experience. And they go, right, it's not the label. It's not that they call themselves a Christian. It's the verb. It's not the noun. It's the verb. It's how they do their Christianity. And if they come up and they just want to run numbers on you and tell you what's wrong with you and why you should be more perfect, you don't want to be around that. But if they come and they care about you and they actually have something and their, their hearts are open to be able to hear you, and if they, even if they don't like what you've done, again, the verb, to do, they don't like what you've done, you can have a discussion about what that is and therefore trying to find out what's your nobility of purpose. Why were you doing that? I would love to understand because I don't get it. My guess is that you were trying to do something that you thought was going to help make the world a better place. But here's some things maybe you didn't know. You know, Bradley Manning, you know, maybe a lot of people think he shouldn't have done that, you know. But he put himself at risk. Bradley Manning is the guy that released all of the stuff from Julian Assange and the stuff that's in the news now. he put himself at risk for some reason. And instead of just saying, well, he's a terrorist, he's against the United States, how about trying to find out why he did what he did? Is that Christian to do that? I mean, I think maybe it might have been. I don't know, but it's worth a discussion to at least find out why did you do that? What kind of things are coming to light of things that are going on with my tax dollars that our diplomats are doing and, and the attitude about the way that we're okaying murder of innocent civilians? and things like that is that just collateral damage? Do I just accept that? Or do I go, well, gee, that's not okay. And maybe if we knew about that, we could have some other ways of dealing with some of these things. Maybe not, but at least the discussions are being had. The verbs are happening. We're interacting. So much of what the difficulty with this disciples of perfection concept is, is that if you, you can label someone a terrorist or a liberal or a hippie or a Democrat or a Republican, they can be dismissed instead of us saying, let's look at how we're doing what we're doing. And it's, is it difficult? Yeah. But life has never really been completely easy, has it? And so part of that is how do we stay engaged and try to help each other through figuring out some of this and having those dialogues, which are hard to have.
1: You know, it's really clear to me, Peter, that at the center of your soul, there's is strong drive to somehow help the world forward better. And better doesn't have to be more perfect, obviously. In that song, though, you know, you mentioned about off-key notes. Now, we're glad you hit only on-key notes. And so that, that part of your perfection, we're happy with it.
2: You know, there's a song on my new kids' album. The two albums I released are Disciples of Perfection for Adults. It's the first adult album I've put out in 25 years. And I just all of a sudden had this plethora of songs that pumped out of me. So I did the Disciples of Perfection. There's one for the kids called Grow It at Home. And I'd love it if you would play the third cut off of that called Wish, because it's just about what we're talking about.
1: We'll do that then. Wish, Peter Alsa. I wish I could write
4: a song. I wish I had purple hair I wish I was really strong
3: And I wish we had clean air
4: I wish I had enough money To buy stuff I want to buy I wish I had a trampoline I wish that
3: I could fly
4: Oh, Oh, I wish
5: I wish Oh, I
3: wish bad. Helps those who help themselves. Cause when we wish and wish, and we get no satisfaction, then something needs to change. We gotta take some action. So when I wish for something, I take out my mirror. I can see who needs to help me. Yeah, couldn't be much clearer. Cause
5: sitting here and wishing.
3: Sitting here and wishing. Let's get up and take some action.
5: Oh.
1: new album, Grow It at Home. That song was Wish. He's with us here today for Song of the Soul. And let's talk about Wish. We didn't say much about it before, but, you know, you've got a lot of wonderful things in there. But at the end of that song, Peter, I guess you you talk about maybe moving from just wishing to action. Is that what the point of the song is from your point of view?
2: You're so right on. You're perfect. (laughs) uh Yeah. Yes, no, that's, of course, what it's about. But I like the song because a lot of times, you know, I just we had just been talking about the importance of verbs. For me, verbs give me a way to move ahead. If we call a child a spoiled child, it's a label. And most people know what we're talking about, but it doesn't help me as a human service professional or a parent or a human. to so how do I help this kid? You give me some verbs. Tell me what the kid's doing, you know, and then I might be able to give them some other verbs, some other ways to get what it is that they think that they want, without doing the behaviors that are creating the labeling of this kid as a spoiled child. You know, it gives me a way to proceed. And so, wishing is something that I think is important, and I think it's fun. You wish that would happen, and but part of what that does is create a chain of thinking. Okay, well, if I want that to happen, there might be some things that I need to do. Maybe I need to. If I wish I could see the Eiffel Tower in person, I'm going to need to figure out how to get myself to France. How do I do that? You know, sometimes you can feel helpless or you don't know. But sometimes it starts the mind on that process of figuring out the verbs so that you can have the wish happen. There's also, again, people can get confused with prayer, you know, where people pray for stuff. You know, praying I think can be very powerful because it does focus us. And I can't say I know people that have to swear by the fact that if you pray for something that it happens for you. You know, Mazel tov, that's wonderful. And I know there's people that pray for things and they don't get them, and then they just figure, well, God didn't want me to have that. I think the important part of that is bringing it up to consciousness and thinking about it and saying how you know what happens is or how would I manifest this? Was there something I can do? And the term God helps those who help themselves is. It's not just about selfishness. It's about taking action and moving ahead with one's life and not just sitting waiting for things to land in one's lap. And I think all of that, again, is stuff that is a continuum. Some people find they want to live a certain way. You know, a monk living on a mountain somewhere may not take as much action in terms of actually physically going and doing things as being able to just create the vibe in which things enter his or her universe for which they're thankful. But it's, it's worthy of having a discussion, which is why I stuck it on this kid's album.
1: It sounds like this stuff is just bubbling out of you. What's the impetus for this stuff? You said you hadn't put out for, what, 25 years or something, an adult album, and now you did after 25 years. That's a long gestation period. What brought it to birth?
2: (laughs) Well, I've been working. I mean, I have like 17 or 18 albums out, so in the interim I've been putting out kids' albums, and some of those I was putting out a new one every year. Been winning awards for them and stuff because I'm dealing with a lot of the stuff that parents and, and kids and families struggle with instead of, you know, not just ABC one two three kind of albums, but songs about dealing with loss and grief in families, dealing with the protection, setting boundaries, self-protection issues for kids, chemical and codependency issues. I like to actually use humor in my songs. Probably 85% of my song material is covert parenting information because if you do a workshop for parents, the ones who come are the ones who need it the least, you know? So if I write some wonderful kid songs that are funny and fun and are getting awards, there's other parents that wouldn't go to a, be caught dead at a parenting workshop but will buy this for their kid and the the songs are coming up and the kids singing things and the parents are thinking, Oh yeah, I guess I do that. Maybe I ought to cut that out, you know. So I've taken a look at a lot of those kinds of things to help parents create stories that are healthy, balanced stories for their family. And what I mean by story is the way we see the world is really important. And I try to look at The way I'm seeing the world and and when I change my story because I go, ooh, you know, I didn't realize I was doing that. That was hurting somebody in some way that I don't like the way I felt when I did that. How can I change my story? And one of those things that I thought we might take a look at, because I also have an album out that I put out called Christmas Holidays a number of years ago, one of the kids' albums. It's got a song in there called The Tooth Fairy, The Easter Bunny, Santa, and God. And I wrote it because I realized that uh, my daughter caught me with my hand under her pillow, actually, trying to put a dollar there and when the tooth fairy was supposed to be doing it. <laughs> and she said, yeah, the tooth fairy, you, <laughs> I did oh, you know. And I didn't know how to tell her that I'd been lying to her. And so that we have these stories that we tell that have great power in our lives. And I realized, and I thought about it a lot, and I realized, you know, I don't know anybody who's ever seen God, but I know a lot of people that believe in God and find that the story in their life, that God exists, helps their life go better. And I'm one of them. I don't know if God exists or not. What I do know when I act as though that there's a higher power in my life, who cares about me, has some lessons for me, and that has a sense of humor. Because when I catch myself doing something, I go, okay, we're doing this again, right? Because I didn't get it last time? Okay, big guy. When I do that, my life goes better. My life goes substantially better when I act as though there's a higher power. And I don't need more proof than that. I mean, for me, that means that there's something involved in this that I can't see all the answers to, but that, that seems to work. So why not embrace it? Do I have to prove to somebody else and force them to believe that my God is their God and that they need to have the same kind of higher power? You know, No, I don't. So I wrote The Tooth Fairy, The Easter Bunny, Santa, and God, and maybe your listeners would like to hear that.
4: of living, don't you think it's worth a five? There's an old story almost
5: everyone believes About the tooth fairy trading money for their key When a
3: story has some spirit that touches you Hold it in your heart and make make it it true
5: These things from the chocolate Easter chicken There's an old story almost everyone believes About the Easter baskets that the Easter bunny eats When a story has some spirit that touches you
3: heart and make
5: make it true. Santa fills my
4: stocking with games and Christmas toys. It's amazing he's so quiet. He never makes a noise. But why live at the North Pole where it's freezing cold all year? He could get a place in Malibu Go surfing with his deer There's an old
3: story Almost everyone
4: believes
5: About about how Santa visits On Christmas Eve When a story has some spirit That
3: touches you Hold it in your heart and make make it true. true. God should stop by just to say hello, but then that never happened, so how am I supposed to know? I guess I know, cause when I stop, and take the time to feel, my life just goes much better, that's how I know God's real. Yeah, there's an old story
5: almost everyone believes. A God whose love for us never ever leaves. When a story has some spirit that touches you, you can
3: hold it in your heart
5: and make it true.
3: Story has some spirit that touches you. You can hold it in your heart
5: and make it true.
1: That was the Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, Santa, and God. You know, Peter, you talk about that, the stories, and, you know, are we lying, we're telling the truth. Of course, some stories, even though they may not be factual, they, they can be true. You talked about some stories that are helpful, even though we don't have the facts to back them up. I guess maybe from that song, I'm kind of getting the idea that the tooth fairy is not one of those stories that, you know, really needed to exist. Maybe it was part of making kids eager to lose teeth. I don't know. (laughs)
2: yeah i had wanted to do a song about somebody pull out all his little sister's teeth just because he was a little burgeoning capitalist and wanted the money (laughs) but i haven't written that one yet probably good that i haven't but i don't know where that where that one came from it would probably be interesting to look back at the etymology of the story you know but it is a story that when my kid busts me am i going to lie to him or tell the truth i'm going to say you know it's me and I also, yes, I, I bought that uh, that present that is under the Christmas tree. They put Merry Christmas from Santa on it. But I'm kind of acting in Santa's behest. And, you know, I know there's some wonderful stories. I'll tell my kid this about Santa. Santa Claus was uh, St. Nicholas and you know, lived over in Byzantium, you know. And when the slave traders would come and the poor families had to sell their children in order to feed the rest of the children, they would sell one of their kids to the slave traders. And St. Nicholas, he would raise money during the year so that he could help the families with money so they didn't have to sell their children. Now, that's a story, too. I wasn't there. I don't know if that story is true either, but I think it's a really good story. It's neat. In the song and in my Christmas holidays, we talk about that as a kid. The kid says, well, I don't like the story. part of the story. Santa spies on you all year and puts coal in your stocking. And some other kid says, yeah, I think some grown-ups made that up so that you do what they said. And I said, right on. You don't have to have that in your story if you don't want <laughs> So the stories that we tell ourselves, the way we see the world and how we go through the world, has an awful lot to do with our experience of the world.
1: The stories are so powerful. How do you celebrate the holiday seasons? Uh, You've got a wonderful diversity of songs on Christmas holidays. You've got one about the night before Hanukkah, and you've got uh, when Jesus was a kid. And I hope people do go out and check out PeterAlsop.com and find these songs. But how do you celebrate these holidays? Uh, How do you think about gift-giving and that kind of thing? Well,
2: for me, a lot of that has to do with family I don't mean just DNA-related family. I mean the family of people that you're around, people that you like, and that you spend time with. So our house is always full of folks. We share food, and you know my wife runs a theater, so we have actors that are far away from their families and aren't necessarily going home. And so we have we always hope we call them the strays and show up. and we do a lot of potluck people bring things and we have music and we talk and eat together it's not religious but it's spiritual we have a circle and always hold hands and go around the circle and pass a feather an eagle feather that i have and everybody gets to talk about say something that they want to say or something they're thankful for or some revelation they've had during the year that that has been meaningful for them uh, you mentioned you're a quaker which i didn't remember but you know i've gone to quaker meetings and um and I love the idea that you don't say something. You, people are quiet. They just sit there quietly. It's amazing to me. I didn't grow up in that environment. People speak up when they've got something that they feel is really important to say. And so when we're you're, you're passing the feather, the same thing goes on. If you get the feather and you can't think of anything you want to say, you just pass it to the next person. It makes it feel like a safe place. And I think that that's an uh, important piece of having a spiritual being on the planet and how we uh, treat and, and regard each other and other life forms here.
1: When you mentioned that you did used to do the dollar under the pillow for the tooth, that leads me to think that you also did gift giving around Christmas. Any particular great gifts that you've given or received anything that stands out for you
2: there's a couple of things. Most of the shopping stuff that I do is I, we do a goodwill stores. my wife and I just we love going out digging through people's castaway stuff because there's just great treasures out there, and that's half the fun is. Trying to look for things. Ooh, this would be neat for so and so, you know. So yeah, we do gifts, but we don't. It's not about spending a lot of money on somebody. My friend, old friend Utah Phillips, and I had talked a lot about gifts. You know, he would talk about how what the truth of our lives are is is that if you have a story, you don't need an object. And he said that the corporations that are selling us things think you need the object to have the story. And his example was Star Wars where, you know, he had kids at that point, and he said, you know, if you have the story of Star Wars, you can get a cigar box, and that can be the Millennium Falcon flying around the living room, you know. You can make Luke Skywalker and people out of uh, pipe cleaners if you want, or out of just carve them out of wood or do something else, you know, just be simple. But the corporations want you to think you have to have the plastic Millennium Falcon and the docking station and all the little action figures in order to hold the story, when in fact that's not true. So, an awful lot of times, I would take, I can, you can find stones, just beautiful stone, and make up a story about it and give that to someone and write up the story as a gift. And then the story, it, it imbues the stone with meaning. And sometimes you pass a stone around the room as you're telling the story. So everybody that's there will put a little vibe into the stone. And then that stone becomes special to this person. It's kind of like the story in The Little Prince. That it imbues it with some kind of value that is more it's symbolic of, of the, the time and the people and the love in the room. And that's sort of th- what they talk about thinking out of the box. It's the fun stuff to do is how do you come up with some gifts. There's a difference between a gift and a present. A present is something that someone presents to you and it's often about them as opposed to a gift which is about you. I even have a song called The Gift which is on Christmas holidays and it's a uh, well let's just play it and your listeners can hear about whether they think it's a it's a gift. <laughs>
4: To Santa long ago There's only one thing On my list just Listen mom Please don't say no I'm sorry you got mad Last night mom I'm stubborn just like you And strong You show me how to do Things right and You hug me tight when something's Wrong I love the things You do such as at bedtime when we read a book And you don't yell when you get mad You just squint your eyes and look But when you cough, I think you're choking I get so scared, I have to say For Christmas, Mom, would not you quit smoking? Throw your cigarettes away don't burn out in one great big blaze Or oh, I'll make my squint eyes at you I need you here for lots more birthdays Don't quit from me, Mom, quit for you Someday I will have some kids, Mom And, and they'll need Grandma hugs a lot I need you too, Mom, I'm your kid and Well, you're the only mom I've got Your eyes filled with tears last night When I threatened, I'd smoke too I feel fears each time you light up I wish that you would feel scared too So listen mom, cause I'm not joking don't want toys on Santa's sleigh. For Christmas, Mom, would you quit smoking? Throw your cigarettes away. I love you, Mom, so please quit smoking. That's all I want on Christmas Day.
1: that was peter alsop with his song the gift it's from chris moose holidays a lot of wonderful cuts on there and you asked the question before we played it peter you see if you think it's a gift and maybe you never smoked and so you didn't have to get confronted by your kids i I think i've met parents who have a different reaction you get a lot of pissed parents talk to you after this one
2: I actually have had some reaction to this. I remember one time I was doing it at the Kerrville Folk Festival, and some woman came up after the show, and she said, you know, there's a woman sitting next to me. She was singing along with all your songs, and she loved it. And then when you sang that one, she got real quiet. And she she said just to herself, she was sitting there by herself, she said, I don't like that song very much. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's a song where the, the the guy's gone. hey, uh, where did the kids get this album anyway? Grandma sent that over here? <laughs> And this song has actually helped some people to quit smoking, too, I've been told, so who knows. Yeah. There's no right or wrong answers.
1: I'm not I'm trying to jam anybody into my version of perfection. We've got just a little bit of time left, Peter. What should we go out with?
2: There's another song on the Christmas holidays album that I like since we're coming into that time of the year, which is called Clean Out the Attic. And it's one of the things that I have trouble throwing things away. I just go, wow, this is still good, though. You know, there's an old globe that my daughter has. And she says, I don't want it, I Take it to Goodwill. I go, wait, but this is kind of cool. It's a really old globe on a stand. You know, the whole world, you can look at it. It has the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic on there, so it's kind of old. It's just hard for me to let go of things. And the song came out of that, actually. My great-grandmother had crocheted some doilies or something that my grandmother used to keep in the attic because she didn't want the kids to wreck them. When she died, my mom got them. She kept them in the attic because she didn't want us to wreck them. And then I got them, and I don't use doilies around my house. The kids would get food on them. So so I keep them up in the attic so I can pass them on to my kids so who can keep them in their attic. (laughs) And I was going, this is a little nuts here. So I wrote a song called "Clean Out the Attic," and of course, it's more than just about the stuff in our attics. It's also about the kinds of issues that we carry with us, and how I want to do some work so that I don't pass on some of the kinds of out-of-balance behaviors I picked up from my family of origin to my kids. Because it takes a couple generations for for people to get more healthy and balanced, and so I've got to do my part to clean out my own attic.
3: My great-great-grandpa made his own leather bag. Back when he was still young And it's been in our family for 100 years And it's down from father to son Well, its bottom is torn And it's stained and it's worn With the secrets of family affairs But we don't throw it out In our family In a chest In the attic Upstairs Clean up the attic Let in the light Skeletons there will go dancing all night The ghosts that we hear Are the ancestors cheering Cause our kids won't inherit their woes So clean out the attic things need to go My kids carry baggage from me and their mom They load their own bags every day So why would I pass on my grandpa's old bag When it's just one more thing in their way All bags have beginnings Middles and ends. So for Christmas this year, it's my goal. As a gift to my kids, I'll take grandpa's bag and bury it deep in a hole. Clean up the attic, let in the light. The skeletons there will go dancing all night when the air Everyday pains of the old family chain have really gotten into tie. Clean out the attic for dancing all night. Let in the light, skeletons there will go dancing all night. Ghosts that we hear are the ancestors cheering, cause our kids will have room to grow. So clean out the attic, some things need to go. Clean out the attic, let in the light. Sing
1: all night. That's Peter Alsop, Clean Out the Attic, from his Chris Moose Holidays. As you've learned by listening to some of his songs, Peter does have a little bit of a penchant for puns. That song, however, it appears not only on Christmas holidays, it appears on a collection of his called Songs on Recovery and Addiction. And one of the other things that you've learned about Peter in the course of this hour, he's an educational psychologist. He just doesn't do this for fun, although I think it looks like he gets a lot of fun out of
2: it. I do indeed.
1: Peter, it's been great having you back for Song of the Soul. I think we'll get together shortly for Spirit in Action with these two new albums you've released, the kids' album Grow It at Home and the adult album Disciples of Perfection. Is it okay if kids listen to Disciples of Perfection, or is that not good?
2: I'm a big fan. of. i played all my songs, adult or kid, for my kids and with them, and I figure if they have questions, what a great opportunity to talk about that. I probably wouldn't buy Disciples of Perfection, and send it to some kids as a present simply because I have some great kid songs with other kids singing with me, and there's a storyline in all my kids' songs, and there's the words and the chords and things like that. So happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for having me on the show. Come on by peteralsop.com and see if there's anything there you want, or you can get in touch with me there, too.
1: Thanks again for joining me, Peter. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul.
0: Sing out a song.